0: This is Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography with your host, Rob Knight. On Your Itinerary this week, I'm joined by award-winning travel photographer Gary Arndt. Gary talks about how he became a full-time traveler in 2007 and how a photography fits into his worldwide travels. Welcome to Your Itinerary. My name is Rob Knight and my guest today is Gary Arndt. To say that Gary is a prolific traveler is really an understatement. Gary's been on the road since 2007, and uh, he's the man behind EverythingEverywhere.com. He's one of the hosts of This Week in Travel, and he's won several awards for his photography, including several Travel Photographer of the Year awards. Uh, Welcome, Gary. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I was was uh,
1: actually rather excited when I heard that TWIP was going to do a travel photography podcast, so uh, I'm glad to see they did it. and uh, I've listened to all the episodes so far.
0: Nice. Nice. I appreciate that. And I, when, uh, when we posted the first episode, um, you know, you sent me that email. I thought that was really cool because when I started researching, uh, what my travel photography podcast was going to be, one of the first things that I found was this weekend travel. And, uh, so you were like, well, you know, I'm on this weekend travel. I know who you are, man. (laughs) I think everybody in travel knows who Gary is. So, um, that's, uh, We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, I'd like to start with a little background. So where are you from originally, and uh, what got you into photography in the first place?
1: Uh, Originally from Wisconsin, uh, proud part owner of the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, before I started traveling, I had a very early internet company that I started back in 1994. Uh, we were doing very early database development back when everybody was still doing static web pages. And I sold the company in 1998, uh, kind of before the, th- everything hit the fan, uh, mm-hmm. dot .com bubble and kind of decided at some point to travel around the world. And uh, so I sold my house back in 2007, figuring I would travel around the world for a year or two. And now it's almost eight years later and I'm still on the road.
0: Wow. And how did uh, photography play into that? Did you intend to travel and be a travel photographer?
1: No, and it's strange. Uh, Prior to starting, and I think the reason I did this is I have always been a big fan of National Geographic magazine. Uh, to the extent that I actually own one of the largest collections of National Geographic magazine in the world, currently sitting in an enormous number of boxes in my mother's basement. Um, But, you know, I had on my walls, you know, photos from the 1920s that were National Geographic of the Great Wall of China. Uh, I owned the original thing they came out with from Hiram Bingham's expedition to Picchu. So I guess it was kind of natural that I kind of wound up doing this. Hmm. But it was really... I was one of those guys when I started traveling who bought an expensive camera thinking that that would magically take good pictures, (laughs) uh, which I quickly found out did not and sort of went through the process kind of by myself because I was on the road and I didn't have, you know, a lot of people to talk to or take a course. Why is it that when some people click a button, their photos look so good and my photos don't look good? And it was just kind of this evolutionary process of then going to websites and reading about what people were doing and, Oh, okay. So I should shoot in raw and this is why I should shoot in raw. And this is, and it was just kind of an evolutionary process. And you can go to my website today and still see some of my very early images, which are horrible. And, but I, (laughs) but I keep them up there and I have readers who've been following me almost the entire time I've been traveling who every so often will say, you know, Um, because they're kind of embarrassed to say it. They're like, wow, your photography's become really good, which also implies that it used to be really bad. Um, which is, which is fine because it did. Um, but that's, that's kind of how it happened. And now I think I'm probably known for my photography more than anything else.
0: Nice. So what was the idea? You were just going to travel for a year and, and, uh, kick back or did you intend to, did you set out to be a travel blogger or you were just hitting the road and going to check it out? I've always a personal website uh, for like 10 years before I
1: started traveling, before it was even called Blog. So it was natural to start a day before my trip. And as I was doing it, I was, I think, nine months into my trip, I was in Hong Kong. And um, I used to also own a network of video game websites. And we were doing like 5 million, or I'm sorry, 50 million page views a month. our peak, you know, which is a ton, right? And, uh, so I knew what a lot of traffic was and my site was not getting it. I could probably tell you the names of everybody that was reading it because they were my (laughs) friends and family. So I made a decision. It's like, okay, this is either a waste of my time or I should take this seriously and maybe think of, of doing something with this. So I sat down and I went through every travel magazine and um, kind of did it. Now, one of the things I realized was that photography was really important and that, you know, the more I thought about it, a lot of people would get these magazines and never read the articles. They would just thumb through looking at the photos. And I realized, you know, there are two magazines that people probably only look at for the images, national geographic and playboy yep. for totally different reasons. But,
0: um, <laughs> most of the time. And, and yes. So
1: I, I, began the process. It was in November, 2007. Of putting a photo every day on my website. Hmm. And I think it was last September, I, it was the two thousand five hundredth day in a row that I posted a travel photo to my website. And that's kind of, you know, been the evolution of it, that forcing yourself to do that every day is kind of a discipline. Uh, you have to do something public and, you know, there's a lot of people that see it. And if you put something out that's bad or kind of half-assed, uh, it's kind of embarrassing. So you kind of forces yourself to get better.
0: Sure. And you have to own that. If you put that out there and yeah, and it's not very good, it's, it's going to be there. Well, I'm going to take a side note for the technical aspects of that in 2007, it wasn't as if there was Wi-Fi everywhere. So how did you do that? How did you post a picture every day, even back then?
1: Surprisingly there was, um, I thought when I started traveling that I would maybe, because I started, I started in the Pacific. So I was in a lot of these Island countries. Mm -hmm. I was in Samoa, Tonga, Micronesia, a lot of these places, uh, through the first several months of 2007. And surprisingly everywhere I found internet. Wow. Literally everywhere. And I, I was, and this was back in 2007 and smartphones weren't available. So I actually started traveling in that window between when the iPhone was announced and when it launched. So I think it was announced in like February, 2007, then it hit the stores in like June and I started in March. So I had no smartphones, nothing like that. Um, but yeah, I was able to find wifi and I would, if I knew I wasn't going to have internet connection, I would just schedule something several days in advance. Sure. Uh, so, and I, and I still do that today.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. That's that's kind of what I figured the answer would be was well, you know, you'd schedule a week or two at a time when you find internet. I'm, I'm really surprised seven years ago that you were finding internet that readily because even now it's tough some places to to find decent Wi-Fi. Um, well, what? Okay, so you set out. and You're going to take a trip for a year. Um, what made you decide that you just weren't going to go home? You just having too much fun, or you, or or what was it that was there? Anything that happened, or?
1: Yeah. I just, I mean, the world's a big place. (laughs) I just never kind of stopped. And after a certain time, uh, the website began becoming quite popular. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2010, after I'd been doing it for three years, time magazine named it one of the top blogs on the internet. And then a whole flurry of things happened from there. Uh, I got put on Tim Ferriss's website and, and, um, things kind of snowballed and it's just kind of been going ever since.
0: Cool. So at this And point, now it's become an actual business
1: for me. So it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is how I make my living.
0: Right. And I was going to say, I'm sure that that transition was made a little bit easier by the fact that, you know, once you get that exposure, then you start having people sponsors and things like that, I would imagine. It, it took a while, but I knew, uh, and this is back in
1: 2007 when I was in Hong Kong, the plan was if I could, you know, if, if, if you have a big enough audience eventually the money problems will kind of work itself out because I knew that the magazines and newspapers weren't long for this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been kind of proven out. I mean, they're still around, but you know, they're not doing very well. There's layoffs you hear about every month. And, um, naturally these things are going to gravitate to people online with followings, and you see a lot of photographers, actually, with with very large followings. And I think they're quite influential in terms of um, how people photograph, the equipment they buy, where they go, uh, all sorts of things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I find that just um, anytime you lead a workshop, people are going to come home and buy whatever you have. And I'm sure it's the same way when your, your blog is as popular as yours. Whatever equipment you mention, I'm sure there's an uptick in sales of of whatever that is be it a filter or a camera body or what um so i think there's definitely value in that for um whether it's you know location sponsors or or equipment sponsors um and i've heard you mention on this weekend travel that that you do most of your posting on instagram now is that is that still the case i, I think it was a couple of weeks ago and you were talking about that
1: uh not most of it i post on pretty much every platform that i'm on but mm-hmm. instagram is the most fun Uh, I get more feedback, more engagement on Instagram than anywhere else. My audience is growing faster on Instagram and I just, I enjoy Instagram more, um, because of the restrictions that Facebook put in place. You know, I think I have, you know, 120, some thousand people that follow me on Facebook, but it only reaches a small percentage of those people. Whereas on Instagram you get to, you know, everybody gets to see it. Photography is very easy to digest. You know, it's not like a long article where you have to commit to reading it. You can just look at a picture and say, yeah, I like that. Uh, as well as, you know, I get a lot of comments every time I post something on Instagram where people will reference their friends and say, hey, we got to go there. Or, man, we're going to see this next year or something like that. Sure. And that's the kind of stuff I really like is, is that when if, if I can take a photo that moves someone to actually visit a place, then I've, I think I've succeeded.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said that for years, um, that, uh, when I, when I'm out, whether I'm shooting with my friends or if I'm shooting uh, with the workshop group, I always ask people when we're you know getting in the van or whatever to, to leave, well, did you get anything good? And I get, it bums me out when people say, well, I don't know, I'd have to look at it on the computer. And cause when I say, you know, did you get anything good? I mean, did you make a picture that you like that conveys your, uh, experience with wherever you are? and, and, for me, like you said, if somebody looks at a picture and goes, "Wow, where is that? I got to go there." Then that's that's definitely a successful picture, whether whether or not it's a technically you know beautiful thing. Um. So at this point, you're you're a would you call yourself a travel blogger or a travel photographer by trade?
1: I'm defining myself more and more by photography, mm-hmm. I think. I think that l- that's what I'm best known for at this point and, and where I've achieved most of my success. Sure. And I'm starting to have more opportunities in photography. So um, I'm talking to right now, I'm in Girona, Spain, and I'm actually doing a project for the tourism board here where I'm, I'm photographing the region. I'll be coming back in May to, to take some shots in the spring that they'll end up using for a whole bunch of different things online and in print.
0: Nice. And, and it makes sense for... Um, you know, tourism boards and things like that. To somebody with the reach that you have, to to commission you to do their photography because a, your photography is beautiful, but b, you already have that reach, and uh, and that will bring uh, attention to whatever they're doing. That totally makes sense. Um, tell me about the uh, Travel Photographer of the Year awards. How does that how does that work? And I, I noticed your your list is like <laughs> what, since 2011, you've been uh, in the top few for. Uh, Uh, Yeah,
1: there's a couple different organizations. Uh, One is the Society of American Travel Writers. They're probably the oldest travel journalism organization in the world, I would guess. Uh, They've been around since the 50s. And uh, the annual Munster competition is the uh, SATW's Photographer of the Year. And, you know, a lot of the people who have won in the past include guys like. Bob Holmes, who just won his fourth time this year, mm-hmm. old National Geographic photographer. I think he just turned 70. Um, been all over the world. And, you know, just a lot of really great travel photographers. And uh, I, I remember when I won last year, or I, it was announced last year, it was for 2014. And I was in the desert in Namibia. And I come <laughs> out and I, and I had no internet for like five days. And I go to Swakamund and I get online and there's just this row of congratulations, congratulations, wow, wow. And, uh, I I, I didn't think I had a chance of winning actually, but, um, yeah, you submit a portfolio of 20 images taken within the last two years Mm -hmm. and, um, they have a panel of judges. And then I also won, uh, last year for the North American travel journalists association.
0: Nice. Um, it's, and I, it's, I feel like, uh, um, it's funny to ask because, uh, you and I had a conversation via email a few weeks ago about how, um, you know, this podcast is my first real travel broadcast, It's my first sort of um, foray into travel beyond making reservations and going to make pictures. And you mentioned that you're kind of the other way. Everybody in the travel industry is familiar with you, but, but not so much in photography circles. And it's crazy to be, you know, travel photographer of the year, but you're not in all the photography magazines, too. Why do you think that is? Where's, why does the, the separation
1: uh, because I came at it from, uh, the travel side of things. And quite frankly, I, you know, from a business standpoint, it was probably a, an excellent decision on my part because the travel industry is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it dwarfs the photography industry. Sure. You know, I don't know what the annual revenues of Canon and Nikon and, and whatever are, but the, the travel and tourism industry globally is a $10 trillion industry. Wow. Factor in all the hotels, all the restaurants, all the airlines, all the shipping, all you know, the, the cruise lines, uh, and all the ancillary things around that. It, it is an absolutely enormous industry, and there's a lot of money in it. So, you know, doing things on the travel side has probably helped quite a bit. Uh, but you're right; the downside is I don't talk about photography that much. Mm-hmm. I do photography, and I, I share my my images with people. But the goal isn't, you know, Hey, use this lens. And I, you know, these were the settings of the camera. It's, this is, you know, the wall of death in Namibia, a 300 or a 300 foot sand dune that abuts the Atlantic ocean. And when you drive straight down it, you know, you have to do it at low tide. Otherwise you'll drown. <laughs> that is, I think what would interest people and in seeing it. Uh, I don't tend to get into the, cause I think my audience isn't photographers so much. It's just people that, Love to travel or would like to travel, mm-hmm.
0: and and as you said, I think that makes your audience that much bigger because, um, let's face it, not that many people care what f stop you shoot at or which lens you used and that kind of thing. That even, even though the photography industry seems big from inside of it, like I am, it's you know at the end of the day, most people couldn't care any less. Um, I've actually there's been a couple of occasions listening to uh, this weekend travel where I almost feel sorry for you because. You know, you get a new camera or something like. Yeah, I got this new thing, and and <laughs> the, your your co hosts are like, okay, so that's that makes a picture. Then, uh, they, like, they have no idea, but that's that's how most people are. They just they want to see the place and they want to see the beautiful pictures. They don't really care how it comes about.
1: Well, you know, and I also say I am I am first and foremost a traveler, not a photographer. Yeah. If a genie were to come to me and said, you can have, you know, two things. One, you can be the greatest photographer in the world. You'll be the, the best wedding photographer and you'll have the best studio for doing high school portraits or whatever. And you'll be wealthy, but you can never leave your hometown. Or you can travel around the world for the rest of your life, but you can't take a camera. Yeah. Well, I'll pick the latter. The sure. And m- my love of photography comes from travel. So it's not, I know some people, they they love photography and so they, they are gravitated to areas where people pay money for doing photography and that tends to be weddings and things like that. I would rather gouge my eye out with a fork than be a wedding photographer. (laughs) I'm glad other people do it, but to me, um, what the the photography is so intrinsically, you know, intertwined with travel that I, I couldn't imagine doing it anything else.
0: Yeah. I, and it's funny because I, I got into photography the exact same way. I was traveling and I would come back with these like decent pictures. And then I figured, well, I'll get a, a DSLR. I got the first Canon Digital Rebel. Honestly, because I hated the shutter lag that, comes from, that came from uh, compact cameras at the time. So I'm like, oh, okay, this thing has a real mechanical shutter. It, I'll hit the button and I can make a picture instantly. And went on a trip to uh, France, actually, and came back with... Really mediocre pictures of really beautiful things and and uh, it sounds like like you I said you know i 've got to learn how to use this camera or, uh, you know there 's no point in even carrying it and and now, what fifteen years later, here I am, you know teaching photography and that kind of stuff so um, now, I know a lot of professional photographers, and you mentioned weddings and senior portraits, and um, I actually don 't mind shooting weddings but but i don 't see how people are portrait photographers for a living i'm i'm glad they do, but that 's not my bag but Um, I know so many people in those industries that have gotten burned out and, you know, I was a photographer and I got sick of it. They don't even have cameras anymore. They don't even carry it because it just becomes that sort of a burden. Um, what about, what about you for, does travel photography ever feel like digging a ditch or do you feel like you're just on one big, long sort of personal project and it's fun? No, because it's always different. Travel photography, if you think about it,
1: is basically all photography not in a studio or not set up and planned, right? So street photography, wildlife photography, landscape photography, um, all of that, is, is travel photography. So I've done, I've done all of it. I've, I've taken pictures of moose and penguins and sunsets and children in Africa and monks in Cambodia. And so there's always something different that you can do. You can shoot food. Um, I'm in Girona, Spain right now, which happens to be the location of the number one restaurant in the world, Hmm. El Celar del Can Roca. And as part of what the tourism board is arranging is I'm going to be able to go and shoot the chefs and, uh, <laughs> wow. they have lunch every day at the, at the guy, the head chef's mother's house and they all walk down the street and they're chef whites. So that's something I've never really done before. So wow. it, it, it's a wide diversity of stuff. I get, I've, I've uh, done aerial photography. I've done underwater photography. I, I met a professional underwater photographer in Kansas, Australia. He had a mounting unit for my, my camera. So we went diving one day and, um, I got to be an underwater photographer a day. I've done Photography in caves um, in race cars, so it, it's an, it's an endless variety of stuff I get to do, so it's it's never the same. The traveling can be tiring, but the photography isn 't
0: yeah that's and that's that's what I would think just on the outside, you' get to go you know these wonderful places and shoot beautiful things and uh sort of uh it seems like this freewheeling uh, kind of thing but um, and you mentioned that it gets tiring and, and we talked before we were. Uh, recording about this blog post that I was just reading on your website uh, about you taking a break. So, I'd like to talk about the other side of that full-time traveler coin. And um, what's the uh, what? What kind of toll has that lifestyle taken on you over the last what seven years, almost eight years? A lot. Um,
1: you know, one of the first questions a lot of people ask me is, "Do I have a wife and kids?" And the answer is. No, because if I did, she'd be really upset. Uh, <laughs> and I'd probably be jailed for child abuse. Um, yeah, it's hard to have relationships. It's hard to have friends when you're constantly moving around and, and it's just tiring constantly being in a different hotel every night. I think last year I was in two, 200 different hotels. Wow. This year in 2014. So we're recording this at the beginning of December. Um, I, I uh, New Year's Eve. I was in Sydney, Australia, photographing the fireworks Flew to Las Vegas via Vancouver, went to Los Angeles, then to New York, then through Munich. I went to Cape Town, spent two weeks in Durban, went to Les- Lesotho, rented a car, went through Zwaziland, Botswana, Johannesburg, met a friend. We went up to Zambia, Zimbabwe. I came down, took a five-day boat trip to the island of St. Helena had to stay there for eight days because there's no airport, had to go five days back, then got on a ship, went up the west coast of Africa to Namibia, Angola, Republic of Congo, Sao Tome Principe, Togo, Ghana, Sierra Leone, the Gambia, Senegal, Western Sahara, Canary Islands, Morocco, flew through Qatar to come back to South Africa, where I led a photo uh, trip to uh, Kruger National Park, then went to New York, met with my agent, had a couple days. So I went to Bermuda because I'd never been there before was in Toronto. And then I did a 12,000 mile road trip over three months this summer where I drove from Wisconsin all the way up to the Northwest territories in Canada, down to Seattle, and then back across, uh, visited 20 national park. I'm on a project where I'm visiting national parks in the United States and Canada. Uh, and then since then, yeah, I went to uh, Turks and Caicos for a week to relax. Then I was in Ireland, Malta, Cyprus, Northern Cyprus, Crete, Greece, London, and then from London I went by sea to the islands of Jersey, Guernsey, and then from France to where I am now in Girona.
0: <laughs> and for some <laughs> reason, that, 2014. For some reason, that makes you tired. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. So when you do this, are you in? Are you in the same place for two days on average, three days on average? You mentioned a couple of weeks here and there, but is it is it just it one after the other?
1: Uh, it, it really depends. So I was in um, Malta for five days. I was in Crete for five days uh, Athens for a week for a conference. Um, I spent, I think two nights each in Jersey and Guernsey. Hmm. Um, I think it was five nights in four or five days in Bermuda, a week in Turks and Caicos. Um, so it, it, it changed. And in Girona I'm here for at least two months, mm-hmm. maybe more. Uh, with the exception, I'll be taking a week to go to a conference in Finland in early January, and uh, then I may go shoot the Canadian Rockies in Alberta, and then I'm going to Haiti at the end of February. That's all I've planned, really. Wow.
0: So how do you decide to do that? How does your calendar end up looking like that? You, are you in one place and somebody says, hey, we're going to Namibia, do you want to come, or is it planned out two years in advance, or what?
1: Uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> A lot of it's done on the seat of my pants, right? Literally just like when I said I wanted to go to Jersey and Guernsey, I was in London. I'm like, all right, I'm going yeah. rented a car. Uh, one way trip. I went to, um, Cornwall cause there's a site there I wanted to, to photograph and, uh, just get all the, the hotel. room. I very rarely book a hotel room more than one or two nights in advance. Mm. Um, most plane tickets and everything else are done at the spur of the moment. Some of it's done. Um, I have several sponsors. So my biggest sponsor is G adventures. There's the world's largest adventure travel company. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the West Africa trip I did was with them. And I do my annual photo trip uh, with them as well. I remember your last episode, you were talking to um, what was his name? Shiv. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. About, putting together the details of running a photography tour and the nice part about what i do with g is that they handle all that stuff yeah all the logistics the registration you're talking about like what happens if someone gets sick or injured we have someone that deals with it (laughs) i'm not the tour leader i'm just the photography guy right you're just the salad yep i don't have to deal with the logistics and so it works out great and um so, yeah, I do everything through them. And even, even if I do more photo tours in the future, which I might do, I think I'm just going to let them handle everything because sure. it's so much easier.
0: Right. Well, I'll give them my number because <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> cool. Well, um, we're getting about out of time. I'm going to uh, wrap up with the usual five questions. So the first one is, uh, what is your current photo gear? What's, what's your average kit look like?
1: It has changed very little in eight years. I shoot with a Nikon D300S, and I started with the D200. So it's a crop sensor camera, which a lot of people are surprised by. And I think for five years now, I've been promising to upgrade to a, a full frame camera. And I just keep putting it off kind of sloth and laziness. <laughs> um, my, I have three lenses I carry with me. Um, the primary lens I use for almost everything is a 18 to 200 uh, VR lens. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly versatile lens. I can, I can put that on and go out. And without knowing what I'm going to see that day, it is reasonably wide. It has reasonably good zoom. Uh, the image quality is, is, you know, good enough. Uh, I, I've won many awards with, you know, uh, the images I've taken with it. Then I also have a wide-angle lens and a 50 millimeter f1.4 yep. that I use basically for, for low light and if I, I want something with, you know, narrow depth of field or something like that.
0: Nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. People have this idea that you have to have a full-frame chip in your camera to make good pictures. But, you know, as you said, your camera is far from even the latest generation and it makes beautiful pictures and um, well it. they've not
1: up they've not really upgraded the the pro level uh, they, they've never come out with like a d400 that's true and people have kept waiting and waiting and waiting sure and um i, I have reached a point where especially in the, like low light conditions and i should also add everything i do is pretty much natural light Mm-hmm. so i i have i think a, like an sb900 that i bought a couple of years ago yeah i've never used it really so i don't carry it with me anymore um so low light capabilities and i've, I've been seeing what the uh, the d750 some of the what people have been reporting yeah and that's that's looking very tempting yeah um, and it's
0: smaller too as as, as far as yeah. you know something for travel it seems like not a not a big i saw a picture of it next to the d810 and it seemed a much smaller body um Okay, so the next question is has your has your gear changed in the last year but it, it definitely hasn't. Um and I guess your uh your upgrade, your comment about the D750 kind of answers that. Is that that's your next thing? Um is the uh I was going to get the D800 this summer. And then I saw an
1: announcement all oh, the D810s coming out. Sure. So then I was like, all right, I'll hold off for the D810. And then I just didn't get it cuz I was traveling. I was I was on a road trip. And, um, so then I was just going to buy the D 10 and then I saw all well, the D seven fifties coming out and then I saw the reviews for that. And so I, am thinking within the next month or two, I'm probably going to pull the trigger and it, it's not so much, you know, getting the camera to, I'm going to have to replace at least two of my lenses. Sure. So it's kind of going from crop sensor to full frame. is just a big commitment because of the lenses and you're right. basically switching everything at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now that, you know, Nikon does have the, uh, what is it? A 28 to, uh, gosh 28 to 300 300 yeah and that, that, it's that's sort that's of the full same sort of, right right and i know um Mazel, he uses that he uses a whatever the top of the line nikon and that lens because the as you said whatever you come across you're ready for it and that uh that long range zoom can really help um help you avoid carrying a big backpack full of stuff i always feel bad when i see um my my family and i went to the the georgia aquarium here in atlanta last weekend and everybody had A DSLR, and I even saw guys with with like low pro backpacks on at the aquarium with their kids. I'm like, dude, just get a nice zoom and forget it. You don't need all your stuff. You don't need your macro lens at the aquarium, you know?
1: You know, I should also add, I have a um, a Sigma 150 500 that I used in South Africa this year, and then I also shot the uh, Calgary Stampede with it this Mm. year. Uh, That was really happy with. Sigma loaned it to me, and I was I I liked it so much I just went and bought it because it's such a it's a cheap lens. It's like I think like $850. Yeah. Uh, but I was really, really pleased with the, uh, the results. And so I have that, but I don't carry it with me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're making some beautiful glass nowadays. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Brett Wells is one of their reps. And, uh, I was looking at, some I was at an event in, uh, Socorro, New Mexico last week and, uh, looking at their new art lenses and the sport lenses. And they're really cool. I wish they'd put a micro four thirds mount on the back of it. So I could actually use one of them. That'd be great. But, um, so, um, what do you do on the road to make your home and make your room feel like a home away from home? I guess that is your home away from home now, but do you, do you have any sort of, um, anything that you do? Like I have a red bandana I put over the lamp or anything like that.
1: Uh, I kind of just unpack all my stuff. Um, so, so right now I'm sitting to you at a, a table and I have a little three port, uh, power strip and I, you know, take all the, all my, I try to power everything through USB if possible, Mm -hmm. because it just makes life easy and, uh, just kind of lay everything out. But other than that, you know, I have a, a a relatively small camera bag compared to most photographers and an, an Eagle Creek 32 inch, uh, It's not really a suitcase. It's kind of like a duffel on wheels. Uh, And that's it. That's Hmm. all the stuff I've... I pretty much... That's all my stuff in the world. Yeah. So... And I'm changing rooms so often that, quite frankly, I usually don't even take stuff out of my bag. I bet.
0: I bet. Well, uh, from a photography standpoint, what's your favorite place that you visited lately?
1: Lately, it would have to be, I think it was a month and a half ago now, Meteora, Greece. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't even supposed to be there. I was going to drive to Serbia, but the car rental thing got nicked, So I ended up going to Meteora and it's these Orthodox monasteries that are all on rock pillars. And it used to be that the monks would have to climb up and it looks just phenomenal. I think it was, um, there was a James Bond film that was, was filmed there at one time in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was there, the clouds were really, really low and it was really dramatic. And, um, You know, just a photographer's playground. I think the other place, um, you know, that's on my most photogenic list would be Antelope Canyon in Arizona, which everybody should go to because you cannot take a bad photo there. And South Georgia Island uh, in the Atlantic, which is the largest penguin breeding ground in the world. And you get off the the Zodiac that drops you off on the beach and there's a hundred thousand penguins on the beach (laughs) and you will never see that many animals in one spot in the world. Wow. You know, even a caribou migration or a wildebeest migration will not have that many animals as what you see in South Georgia. And it's just incredible.
0: Wow. That sounds awesome. Um, what, what's next for you? What, what are you looking forward to visiting and shooting next? And I mean, for a guy like you, who's been practically everywhere, I'm really curious to hear your answer to that. You know, I've been to almost every
1: tiny island nation on earth. I've been to Nauru. I've been to, saint Kitts and nevis i have not been to mainland china i have not been to india wow i have not been to russia or brazil i haven't been to peru so there's a lot of places i i have yet to explore most of mexico um so like i said the world is a big place and there's a lot of a lot of africa east africa i haven't been to east africa yet uh central asia i would love to go to kazakhstan and kyrgyzstan to shoot there Um, but my immediate plans, like I mentioned, I'm looking forward to a trip to Haiti, uh, that I'll be doing, uh, late February, early March. And, um, the other thing I've never photographed, uh, that I feel kind of embarrassed to say, I've never seen or photographed the Northern lights. So I hope to rectify. And I, you know, I've been to Northern Yukon to Northwest territories, just never happened to see it. So be going up to Alberta, uh, to the Rockies and, and hopefully we'll rectify that situation in February.
0: Cool. Well, man, thanks for coming on the show, Gary. Um, I hope that, that we can get you on the show again sometime. We could, I mean, as, as many places as you've been and as much as you've shot, I'm sure we could, <laughs> uh, we could pick your Always brain for, it. for an hour. Yeah. Um, where can folks find you on the internet?
1: Uh, my website is everything-everywhere.com. And from there, you can find me on every other platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Those are kind of the big ones. Gotcha.
0: And everything's linked through there. Yep. Great. Yep. Well, thanks a lot, man. And I'll I'll talk to you later. And if you like what you hear on Your Itinerary, please tell all your friends about it and stop by iTunes and leave us some positive feedback. And thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other Twip shows and get on our mailing list. Become a Twip member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on Twip products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on Your Itinerary for travel and photography.